0: Good morning. I always worry when Bob introduces me, but that was relatively painless. (laughs) Happy New Year to everybody. It's 2018. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? I want to read to you from the book of Acts, chapter 2, and it talks about the early church and what they got up to and God's dealings with them. So I'm going to read this and... I'll tell you what I'm going to talk about when I've read it, okay? So it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. They were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts they broke bread in their homes ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved it was a, an exciting powerful but very challenging time for those people who had just seen Jesus crucified raised, be raised from the dead and then ascended to be with the Father and all of a sudden they got this Wonderful intervention from God. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So, as we enter a new year, this is a continuation of your journey and our journey. I know it's only, I mean, 2018, when I woke up in the morning on the 1st of January, felt very much like 2017. It's just that I had a new diary. And there was an 8 at the end instead of a 7. But as we continue to grow and allow God to work in us and in our world, let's remember that this world really needs Jesus more than anything else. More than anything else. And that's why we're here. You See, the Bible's an account of God's dealings with mankind. With our recent reminder of this, at Christmas we remember that Jesus came as a baby to this world and God intervened and took an initiative to reach us. It was an important moment. And then Jesus as he grew he got to know his father through those formative years of his life. And at the age of about 30 he started to minister. A lot of people are surprised when I tell them that Jesus only did all that miraculous stuff for 3 years. What? Only 3 years? Yes, from the age of about 30 to 33. 30 was baptized and the Spirit of God came upon him and for three years he did all those things, all those miracles, all that preaching, all those wonderful events that took place and then at the end of it he died and then he rose again and he finished his work. He did it in three years. Amazing. He was preparing for it through his life but at the age of 33 he fit roughly, he finished. And it says this in Acts chapter 1, verse 3. After his sufferings, he presented himself to them, that's the, the believers, and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And I want you to know that the resurrection of Jesus was Physical. It was real, it was personal, it was prolonged and it was powerful. For 40 days, Jesus was around. He ate food. He wasn't just some phantom floating through a room and it was, oh, there's Jesus, he's risen from the dead. No, he was there, physical, risen from the dead for 40 days with the people that knew him the best. And you know, those people who witnessed the resurrection later on were willing to lay down their lives as martyrs because they knew he'd risen from the dead. If it was some con, if it was some kind of ethereal kind of weird thing, they wouldn't be doing that. But Jesus' resurrection was real. And Jesus made a promise. In Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, on one occasion he was eating with them, hence his physical resurrection, ghosts don't eat. He was eating with them, and he gave them this command. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you've heard me speak about for john baptized with water but in a few days you will be baptized with the holy spirit and in verses five to eight you will receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you and you're going to be my witnesses now jesus made a promise and god makes his promises does he not now god's promises there's two kinds really some of god's promises are unconditional your love never fails. You never give up, never, never. What, what on me? Run. It never runs out on me. You see, that really is deep, and meaningful in my life. I got that really well. But God's love never fails. God loves you unconditionally. He doesn't like what we do sometimes, but He will always love us. He never gives up. He never fails us. God's love is unconditional. God's promises are unconditional. I will never you or forsake you but there are some promises that are conditional this will happen if you do that I want you to do that so that I can do that you see God doesn't just do stuff he does stuff with us he wants us to work with him as a team Fancy being in God's team isn't it? he said to the disciples he said stay here don't leave Jerusalem, that was a command, he gave them a command, don't go anywhere, stay where you are, wait for what you do, because Jesus was going to send the Holy Spirit to the church, it reminds me of a story back in the Old Testament of the two E's, Elijah and Elisha, I do wish they had a totally different names because I get mixed up, was that Elijah or was that Elisha? Am I the only one or do you all do that? Yeah, yeah, we all do that. But Elijah was the prophet, the first prophet of the two of them. And he was a mighty man of God. He was a great prophet. And he, he had a servant, a manservant, who attended to his needs called Elisha. And God told Elijah, I'm going to take you up to be with me. You're not going to die, Elijah. You're going to whizz up into heaven. I don't know how they did it, but he, 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 that's what he, he was burned up. And Elisha Elisha knew that Elijah wasn't going to hang around for too long. And so Elijah said to him, what do you want? And Elisha said, I want a double portion of what you've got. Isn't it good to be greedy with spiritual things? Don't be greedy with material things, but I want a double portion. The good thing about being greedy with spiritual things is it doesn't deprive anybody else of having just as much. If you're greedy about physical things that if I've got it you can't yeah so give me a double portion and Elijah said to him look if you see me go you'll get it and so Elisha followed him everywhere he went he wouldn't let go he wouldn't let go and he just followed him everywhere he went the condition was you're going to receive but if you see me go the early disciples wait in Jerusalem because you're going to receive the Holy Spirit but wait that's the command, the promises you're going to receive. And that's what God does. He has promises that we have to play a part in. And it was the start of a great future. It was the start of a new era. It was the start of the church. And the two things I want to talk about this morning, I haven't really started yet, don't worry. That was a long introduction. But it's important about the promises of God, isn't it? Out of the promises, things occur. Here's what I want to talk about: is happenings and habits. Happenings, happenings. Jesus to follow Him involves us living a life that involves miracles. I am convinced of that. When we come to know Jesus and He gives us a new life, that is a miracle. We're brought out of darkness into light. We're brought out of death into life. We're made new creations. In That is a miracle. And who does it? God does it. It happens to us when we call upon him. <coughs> I believe that we are people who expect, not in, a, not in a complacent way at all, but we expect God to provide. I'm I, 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 constantly amazed and overwhelmed at how God has provided for our church since it started every step of the way. And those of you who haven't been here since it's starting years ago, maybe eight years ago in October, this couple, so it's seven and a half years or so, seven and a bit years, I assure you every step of the way it's been like that. I remember the first week that Horizon was going to meet, we finished on the Sunday at a line over our past and the next Sunday we were going to meet and I didn't know, no, nowhere to meet, nowhere to meet. So I happened to be driving through Belmont and I saw this church, St. John's in Belmont and there was a hall and I thought, that's a nice hall. and I think we'd been to something there. I, I stopped, was taking down the number of the office And this lady came to me out the car park and said, can I help you? I said, I'm just taking a number. She said, well, I'm just leaving this car parking space. If you go in there, ring that bell, you can see the administrator. I went in there and booked it. Boom! I left home without a clue. I got back home with a venue booked for the first meeting of our children. Like that, time and time again. You know how God has provided Those things are happenings. Things have happened to us. Things are happening to us, and it's God's wonderful miraculous provision. Does it? You've got there are people here, and you have got stories of what God's done for you. It wasn't anything to do. He just happened. He, Mary was pregnant without being anywhere near a man. We're back in Christmas again. He happened. Oh my goodness! Joseph said, "What's happened to you?" It's happened. She said, "It's a miracle." happenings that happen and if we walk with God they will happen our walk of faith is just that it's what opens up all sorts of happenings Jesus takes initiatives, God takes initiatives, disciples when they followed Jesus, I'm sure they didn't know what was going to happen next and those things are recorded in the Bible so that it stimulates faith for us as well, because what he did then he can do now So let's never lose sight of the miraculous happenings that God has for us. He promised that you're going to receive power. And in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Just highlight something there. They were all together in one place. Now, I, I, I could see a double meaning in that. You can be all together in one place and be totally divided and hating each other. <laughs> we're together whether you want to be or not. We're in this place. But I believe there was unity there, all together. God help us this new year to be a people who are together and in one place. Even if we don't always agree about every tiny little thing, let's know that we belong together in one place because that's when the Holy Spirit falls. Where there's agreement, we're not sausage machines that churn out everybody who thinks the same and does the same and looks the same and all the rest of it. We're not. But we're committed to each other and to Jesus one place. They were all together and then the Holy Spirit came. There was a sound like a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house. They saw what looked like tongues of fire that came to rest on them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, that was weird. I've had people say to me, they've heard Judith, why does Judith go, because she's quite loud. And they don't, you know. Well, I want you to know that at the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was given to the church, The sign that that happened was that the people who were there started to speak in what the Bible calls other tongues. I think tongues sounds a bit weird in other languages. And I want you to know that a definition of that, I guess, is this, that when people speak what it's talking about here in tongues, it's a supernatural, miraculous ability to speak a language that you've never learned, and that you don't understand. Now, if it wasn't for a miraculous God, and for the assurance you have that I'm a a sane individual, ah, that would be crazy. But I've been in situations where an English person has spoken in an African tribal language that he didn't understand, and somebody gave an interpretation of that tongue in English, and this fella that I was at Bible college with came from a place that we used to be called Burkino Faso. No, Upper Volta it used to be called. It's now Burkino Faso in West Africa. And it was a former French colony. So the poor bloke, when he came to our college, he couldn't even speak English. It was French, all this tribal language. And at the end of this meeting, he said... That man spoke in my tribal language. Oh. And that English person told everybody what he'd just said. Whoa. Oh, it's just a coincidence. Bit of luck. Bit of luck that was, wasn't it? Just a coincidence. He just got it right. It's real. Do you know, the ability to speak in tongues is a God-given miraculous thing and it enables us to pray do you know, have you ever been in a situation where you don't know what to pray for? Oh my goodness, I don't know what to say. Well, that's why God gives us the ability to pray like that. Because your spirit prays with the spirit and prays what he really wants you to say and it's effective and it's powerful. And that's what happened. They spoke in tongues. And the Holy Spirit came upon the church for a particular reason. Now, When you become a Christian, you receive a new life. The Spirit of God lives in you, yeah? He comes within you to give you a new life. When the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the promise that Jesus gave, happens, he doesn't come in you. He comes, the word is, upon you to empower you. Different working by the same Holy Spirit and then he gives us spiritual gifts, and then we see healings, then we see prophecies, then we see messages in tongues, and we see interpretations of tongues. And you know, all that stuff, all that miraculous, those miraculous happenings, I believe God wants us to experience more and more and more, because we're in a spiritual battle. We're in a world that, where people need reality and need the supernatural, and if we don't get it from the church, they're going to get it from the dark things. God's happenings came upon the church, and God's happenings come upon us, and they're essential. They have changing value. I'm sure some of you here can remember a time, a particular time when something miraculous, something life-changing happened to you. It was a moment, and you've never been the same since, and it's something I believe we should experience more and more. But let me tell you that happenings, that God's miraculous happenings, are only really, really, really effective when they lead to habits. It can happen. A happening happens to you. A habit grows things in us. A habit In the dictionary, it says, is an automatic pattern of behavior in reaction to a specific situation. Now, I do tend to be a person with habits. (laughs) Some are all right. I get up quite early in the morning. And this is what I do. I get up. Let's tell you the whole story. I go to the loo. I do wash my hands. I go downstairs. This is just about half five-ish. I put the kettle on, let the dog out. Or let the kettle out and put the dog on. No, I... I, I, It's none of your business. (laughs) I like walking around with torchlight. Okay, anyway. But I make a cup of tea, let the dog out, and whether Judith wants it or not, I take her a cup of tea at about half five in the morning. Now to some of you, some of you that might be a real blessing. Oh, what a wonderful man you are. And, and, and another of you might tell me what to do with my cup of tea at half past five in the morning. I don't know, but it's my habit. And then I get on the exercise bike and I do three lots of 20 seconds really going at it. And then I sweat and then I get in the shower then I get dressed then I take the dog out then I come back then I read and I pray and I have my breakfast and I get ready and I go out just like that I'm a creature of habit now habits can be legalistic they can be they can bind you up you know habits but I don't believe that the habits God wants us to develop are legalistic I think they're relational It's a way of living. It's a way of God doing stuff in our lives. You see, (coughs) having had a, a real miracle and that incredible empowering that the Holy Spirit gave to the church, they started to apply it. They began to apply it. It says in 2.42 of Acts, I read it, they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching of fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer. Do you know, as a pastor I have a real burden when people aren't around and it's good for us for me, for you to contact them because we care but you know the bottom line is this that we need to devote ourselves I can't I can't persuade people to do things week after week after week after week because if I have to do things to persuade people to do it then I have to keep persuading them to keep them doing it whereas the early church, they couldn't get enough of Jesus they devoted themselves and they were at it they were devoting themselves to the fellowship to the prayer, to the breaking of bread all those things and do you know I believe God wants us to be a church that is full of people who devote themselves to good habits together devoting ourselves to good do you know some things I really highly highly value commitment reliability faithfulness I like it when I say to somebody can you do something they say yes and then I forget about it because I know full well that that person is reliable and faithful isn't that good when you can do that I hate it when I say to somebody, can you do something and you think, ah, oh, they're going to do it. I have to keep checking up. No, devote yourselves to being reliable, to being devoted to to your word and to Jesus. Integrity is really, really good. Be people of integrity. Now, I'm going to say something that makes me sound very, very holy, and I'm not. Well, I am holy because Jesus has given me a new life. But you know, I have found it has, has anyone ever told lies. Hands up if you've told lies. Everyone. Do you know what? There's there's something going on in my life that makes it harder and harder and almost impossible for me to live with a lie. It stinks. Because if I'm being dishonest, there's this, this thing that's on my shoulder. There's this emptiness, this uh that tells me that God knows exactly what's right and wrong, how do you think you can get away with it? And you know at the end of the day it's so much easier to fess up, pay the price than to live with the guilt of living in a lie. Devoted to the truth because the truth sets us free. Like I say, it's not about... Oh, another one is not giving up. Don't give up. No, don't give up. Jesus didn't give up, did he? He's giving up on you. His love never fails. He never gives up. It never runs out on me. And if he gave up, we'd all be shot, wouldn't we? Not shot, but finished. (laughs) Different meaning of the same. Word. this isn't legalism but it's relationship it's a relationship response to Jesus do you know our house has rules our marriage has rules if I am not going to come home I would tell Judith not because it's written in a contract and I must tell Judith because heaven help me if when I come home if I don't tell but because I love her and because there's a relationship there and she needs to know it's a rule isn't it it's a kind of rule but it's a rule based on relationship and love. And that's what it is with Jesus. Accountability is really important. And you can't be accountable unless you've got relationship. You know, Jesus, uh, Judith, I said Jesus, it a Judith. It's close. (laughs) (laughs) Judith, last week, spoke about habits actually and uh, I'd already got this, I've had this for weeks this and she said one or two practical things, talk to God, read the Bible, read good Christian books, feed your mind, listen to teaching tapes and worship tapes, feed your spirit, do all stuff, get involved, be part of a life group, get there on Sundays, especially if you're listening to the podcast, get friendships, serve, be part because this is family, this is fellowship and something that God wants us to be devoted to. It isn't like a black book if you're not there, if you don't do this and you don't do that and you don't do it. No, we do it because we are devoted to Jesus and to his church and we want to be people of good habits because of the happening that's happened to us. We're new creatures, we've got a new core. we've got a new purpose, so let's put the habits into place that actually make those happenings worth something. And it touches other lives. In the book of Judges, well no, before that, we can't grow in grace and the knowledge of God if we rely on a continuous intervention from God when we do nothing to work with him. Sometimes I've, I've come upon people who just go from one miracle to another. I'm in a mess. Get me out of this mess. And the Lord does that. Boom. Ah, oh, and then they just live how they want they get into a mess and they get into another they go to another big event they go to another conference and the lord zaps them and they get oh yes that's it the answer and it's not good enough because we have to take hold of the happenings and make habits out of them and grow in the grace of god ourselves don't be a happening junkie grow in the grace and knowledge of God for So, In the book of Judges in the Old Testament, there was this cycle, a vicious cycle, circle, whatever you call it. Israel kept sinning, and every time they sinned, it opened a spiritual door for their enemies to come in and, and oppress them. Okay? When they got oppressed, they cried to God, and God appointed a judge, a hero, a leader. That's why it's called the book of Judges, because these judges led Israel. And God appointed a judge who led Israel to defeat those enemies, and then they had freedom again. There's people like Samson, people like Gideon, and very often they were miraculous deliverances from the enemies that set Israel up to be okay. But the trouble is, once they were delivered, they did their own thing again. We've had a happening. We're all right now. Let's just do what we want. And it's not the way to do it because you'll get yourself right into a mess again. In Judges 2, verse 18, whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge and saved them out of the hands of their enemies as long as the judge lived. For the Lord relented because of their groaning under those who oppressed and afflicted them. But when the judge died, the people returned to the ways ways even more corrupt than those of their ancestors following God serving and worshipping they refused to give up their evil practices in stubborn ways and guess what another enemy came and oppressed them oh we want another happening we wouldn't need another happening if you sorted your life out pick on Amanda isn't Amanda wonderful Amanda used to be somewhat heavier than you are now now don't get me wrong, she didn't wake up one morning and look like that. She worked jolly hard. But there's something fantastic that's happened to you physically. If she grossed out on mega McDonald's for a few months, she wouldn't look as good as that anymore. You with me? Sometimes people say, I've got money problems, I'm in debt. So we pray, and you know, sometimes God can give us a real, meet the need. But do you know what? That is a waste of time if God meets the need and you still behave with money like the way you did before. Because you just get yourself into it again. You see, you get good habits that follow God's happenings. God sets you up so that you can live a new life. He doesn't set you up so that you can get a breath of fresh air and then go down in under again. Yeah. He wants to build us. He wants to make us into his people. Change your habits. I've got a pretty verse for you. It says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. That's Proverbs 26.11. Dogs do that, you know. They throw up and they eat it again. It's true. It says so in the Bible, and I've seen it. Don't be like that. Oh, I'm sorry. I've ruined your morning. You know, there was a woman at the well that Jesus met, and he gave her a miraculous encounter. He told her all about her life. He did and all this sort of stuff, and the man that you're living with isn't your husband, and all this sort of stuff, and she was zapped. She said, I see you're a prophet. And she ran into town and said, come and hear this man. He's told me all about himself. What a happening that was. And at the end of it all, he sent her back to the town of Samaria to live out her life and start to get some new habits and be a witness to what Jesus had done in her life. There was a man that had thousands, a legion of demons in him. And Jesus went and prayed and commanded the demons to come out of this man. They went into a load of pigs. The pigs committed suicide and ran into the lake, into the sea. And the man was seated, clothed, and in his right mind. And what did Jesus say to him? Go back to the town. You see, he was a total, complete story in that town. Everyone knew about him. He pulled the property prices down just by being there. And the biggest and best thing that he could do is go back to where he was and live a new life, new habits, a new way of living, and not running around a graveyard naked. You know, live a better life. You're not asking much from that, are you? But I tell you what, I believe that man was a witness because of the happening. that Jesus. If he'd have gone back and started doing what he'd done before, it would have been a disaster. A miracle can get you out of a situation. But a habit can put you back into it. Think about that. A miracle that God does can get you out of a situation. But a habit, the way you live, can put you straight back in. And I can add to that as well. A failure to develop right habits can make your situation worse. What we do, what we follow on with the miracles of God Really important. There's that great football player, George Best. George had a problem, mainly drink. And he drank so much, he had to have a, a liver transplant. Now that's quite a medical miracle, really, isn't it, really? when you think about it, well, I couldn't do that years ago. George Best was given a liver transplant. He was given a new liver that somebody who died, presumably, his, his relatives had donated it to him. Do you know what George did again? He drank it again. He drank and he drank it. And he had to have two liver transplants. He's dead now. Listen, if something happens to you, don't do the stuff that got you into that place in the first place, but call upon the grace of God that he will enable you to develop good habits. George, try teetotal you would probably still be alive. I'm not condemning him or judging him. I'm judging what he's done wrong and I point my fingers at me as well because we all do stuff wrong but we all pay for what we do. Sometimes people are healed. Well, Jesus healed and fed people and then the crowds followed him and Jesus said, I know why they're following me. It's because I gave them a free meal. They don't want to change their ways. They just want to get what they can get out of me. Jesus said that went from one side of the sea to the other and they were waiting for him he knew their hearts and, and what breaks my heart really is a, a number of times Judith and I over the years have prayed with people about a certain situation it might be a job that they want it might be a circumstance that they want they want this they want that da, 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 and we prayed and God has made it happen and what do they do? they drift away from God because they've got what they want no That's not how it works. That's not how it works. What God does in your life, what happenings he brings, what miracles, what provision he brings are there for you to use and to develop and to grow in. Let's be a people that believes for miracles of healing. Salvation and provision. But let's be a people who develop right habits, working with God and taking responsibility. This isn't just self-help, but it's the power of God's grace. You know, I've mentioned earlier on that the Holy Spirit came upon the church to empower them. That's the power of the Holy They are called charismatic gifts. Charis is my daughter-in-law, but charis means grace. Martyr, charismatic, Martyr, means gift. So the Holy Spirit gives grace gifts that enable us to do. But in Galatians 5, the Holy Spirit also gives fruit of the Spirit that's about our character, what we are, not what we do. We are people who are subject to the grace of God. And in, on, the, on the back of that, we can... Step out and be. You can't ignore or bury an issue that God brings to you. Because if you bury it, it will dig its way up and follow you like a zombie. Little boy nicked his sister's doll because he was being spiteful. And it was a, a doll that was filled with seed. He nicked it to be spiteful. And he buried it in the garden. Have you seen your sister's doll? No, no, mum. I don't know where it is, mum. I don't know. I've hidden it. It's gone until it rained. And then the seed started to sprout and it came out of the ground. I thought, what's that? They dug it up and there was the doll. Do you know what? If you try and bury something and dig it down, it will grow up and it will bite you where you sit down. It will bite you. It will get you. Don't live a lie. God wants to give us miraculous power and enabling. So let's pray for and continue to believe for happenings. Right? But we also need to be faithful with what he gives us and invest it with good habits. Happenings and habits work together so that we grow. As we're faithful in our habits, God will trust us with more happenings. So, question. Who needs a happening in their life this morning? Anyone need a happening? Because I want to pray for you. Good. It could be a situation. It could be a sickness. God wants to make a happening happen for you today. That's what we ask God to do. But what are you going to do? Is it going to be a devotion decision? To follow, to grow and develop in good habits? To grow in the grace and the knowledge of God? To be people of goodness? We're just going to wait on God for a few moments, and uh, those of you that I tricked to raise your hands, I'd like you to respond. <laughs> I didn't trick you at all, but I'd like you to stand up because I want to for you right where you are, and you know what that happening is that needs to happen. Now I'm going to ask you to stand if you want to make a stand to say, Lord, I want to grow good habits as well. I don't want you just to do stuff for me, but I want to grow and do stuff with you. So those of you that responded and even those that didn't put your hand up but you wanted, can you just stand where you are? Right? And we're going to pray. We're going to pray. Jesus' name. Lord, without your miraculous intervention, we would have and be nothing. Lord, I want to pray now in Jesus' name that whatever is represented by these people standing here, that, Lord, that you will intervene. That as we pray and as we believe and as we stand with one another, that you will bring to being whatever it is that is needed. In Jesus' name in jesus name i want to pray that there will be loved ones who come to know you i pray that situations will change that relationships will develop and that things will grow and that things will will be right and that you will intervene and that lord that your grace will just come in and do something that there will be marvelous spiritual happenings that happen not by might not by power but by the spirit of the living god And I want to thank you, Lord, that right at the start of this year, Lord, we can set our course by asking you to come right into what we are calling upon you for. And I'm being vague because there's so many people standing up, and I don't know what those things are, but I pray that, Lord, right now, you will just speak into their lives in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And what about developing habits? Anyone else want to join us and say, Lord... I want to grow in your grace and in the knowledge of you. I don't want to carry on in ways that have got me to where I am. Not that where you are is all bad, but I'm talking about the issues. Father, I pray that you'll help us to be a people of devotion, who devote ourselves to you who are devoted to one another, to fellowship, that we're willing to serve and to live with each other and live for you and for each other. And I pray that, Lord, that cycles, that vicious circles will be broken in lives so that good habits will emerge and that you'll help us to develop and grow in. Lord, we commit our church to you. We pray that miraculous things will happen. But more than that, Lord, we pray that you'll help us to work with you to develop your life in us so that the things don't just happen to us, but they happen in us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thank you.
1: Yeah, thanks, Dave. Um, all the activities start again this week. So just, cheers, great, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to pray for those now, okay? All the new stuff. Father God, we thank you so much for the message that Dave's just brought. And pray, Lord, that it will go into our lives, that we'll see happenings and we'll put habits, better habits into our lives. Father God, we pray about this coming week when all our different ministries start up again. And we pray, Lord, that none of them will be done out of habit, but that they will be done through your Holy Spirit. That, Lord, we will do good things, but good things led by you. And Father God, we pray that you will bless everyone who comes and joins in those things, whether they're working or whether they are sharing in the blessings that they bring we pray lord that you will work in our church next week and that lord when we come back next sunday on those praise cards there'll be something that's come out of what we've done for you this week bless this time we pray in jesus name amen